Squared Circle, Andy Evans here, bringing you all of the action exclusively at Maguire on Wrestling.com, YouTube, and on the TSC feed. Uh, and I want to kick it off with something very sentimental. Roses are red, violets are blue. If you love wrestling, then I appreciate you. Uh, the words of the legendary Tony Khan, believe it or not, on Twitter. And we'll be covering about more of that in the news how is everybody hope everybody is doing well uh show's a little bit late this week so had a few technical issues which you uh you don't really need to know about but you know it did but we've got a lot to cover on this show including the news we're going to have details on will osprey and all elite wrestling we're going to be talking some wwe we got some new japan news in there viewpoint is all about scott demore and leaving tna we're going to talk about what the impact to the company will be we got the top five from this past week wrestling history and i'm bringing the retro chat as well as we're going to be talking the uk rampage from 1991 that aired exclusively over here so we're covering that as well now if you want to get in contact with us here at tsc you can do we are all over social media uh you can search for us on our own social media which is tsc wrestling pod using the hashtag tsc pod that's on facebook x uh instagram and on youtube we're also very active and part of mcguire on wrestling and you can find team mow by searching for that on facebook or by going to mcguireonwrestling.com so as well as us not only are we here each and every week on mcguire on wrestling you've got the alternate commentary table on a saturday and of course you've got the legend that is mike mcguire and uh uncle dave dave Meltzer, on a sunday so plenty of action coming up this week and every week free of charge at mcguire on wrestling and it's a great honor to be here all right let's kick it off with the news we're not going to go to a break this time we're going to go straight into the news we've got a lot to cover last night on dynamite it was announced that Will Ospreay's return to aew will take place at revolution and he will be competing in a match as with another member of the Callas family, and that's Kensuke Takeshita. Now, this match Don Callas has promoted would be the best of the decade. Well, we're going to find out. Now, Osprey obviously has left now New Japan, uh, had an epic showdown leaving the company this past weekend, is officially now with All Elite. The road, I believe, to All In starts right now because I'm predicting the main event of All In 24 here in London will be Will Ospreay challenging for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Who will he face, though? That's the question. And that's what we're going to need to do when we get through Retribution. Now, one of the things that is happening on that pay-per-view on Revolution is Sting's retirement. Now, it's got a build of being Sting's farewell match, and it will be. And we now know the match is official for the AEW World Tag Team titles. It will be the icon Sting 
and Darby Allen facing off against the Young Bucks. Now, there is mixed opinions on this storyline and whether or not people think it's good or whether or not they think it's bad. One person who is not behind it, though, is former WCW president Eric Bischoff. And he spoke about it on the 83 Weeks podcast. And here's what he had to say. Um, don't think there's a good story being built around the Young Bucks heel turn. There's just no story there. It's an excuse for a story. There was not an inciting incident, not a compelling. That's a keyword. People say, oh, there's such great story in AEW. No, there's not. There are excuses for matches. There are angles that are used as inciting moments to create an excuse for matches going forward. But there's no art to any of these stories. Now, he does go on to say the Young Bucks are the ideal candidate, but the story needs to be there. And he carries on by saying they're taking on this role to support the fact that Sting wants to have a match with them. I 100% agree with that. The Young Bucks are ideal candidates for this role, but it's incumbent upon creative to make that heel turn, to make the fact that now the Young Bucks are heels, you have to make that believable. There has to be a reason for it creatively that the audience can wrap their heads around and invest in. You know, I'm a huge fan of Eric Bischoff. I always have been. And and I think if you're in the industry, you've got to respect Bischoff for what he did with WCW back in the day. Uh, and I do love listening to 83 Weeks because I, you know, I find the banter between him and Conrad or Cassio Kid or whoever to be interesting. And he does bring a different perspective. But one of the things that I have to say is this could be running the WWE and Bischoff would be loving it. Because it's all elite wrestling and because of this negativity and relationship that he's got with Tony Khan, he seems to be just kind of pooing over everything, you know? Now, that's not a bad thing because, as we always say, there is no such thing as a wrong opinion in professional wrestling. We're all entitled to it. It's not going to please everybody. But I do wonder if he took this blinkered approach about all elite and everything that's negative about it and put it into another company would his opinion change? But what do you think out there listening or watching the show? Do you think the Young Bucks are the ideal opponents for Sting and Darby Allen? Do you think the match has a good story? I want to know. Let me know on social media and in the comments on YouTube and the audio feed. Because one person also discussed the angle, and he seems to like it, and that is Jeff Jarrett. Now, he was talking about the Bucks attacking Sting and leaving him in a mess last Wednesday night on Dynamite after winning the AEW tag titles. Now he said, the episodic nature of any story, if you don't have that antagonist really up, I think when you look at any story in professional wrestling that's had even moderate success, your heels have to be standing tall. Sometimes I feel like I sound so cliche or old school, but any story told since the beginning of time, you've got to build heat. But very rarely has that type of impact. I thought it clicked on every cylinder. I was happy to see it in so many ways. Matthew and Nicholas leaning into the EVPs, the celebration afterwards. It felt like everything was breathing. Longtime Sting watchers, we would never have called, hey, the boys are going to get their ass kicked. So well done. Absolutely well done. They took an ass whooping. I'll just say things are heating up and the night in Greensboro, bro, it's just building now we do know last night on dynamite as we referenced at the top of this show the match was made official and it will now be for the world tag team championship uh at 
at Revolution in March the 3rd. And what was interesting, if you watch the promo, now will it end up in my top five? Maybe. Um, was Darby Allen playing off Cody Rhodes and referencing that there was only one decent EVP. And no, it wasn't you. And no, it wasn't Kenny Omega. So this story is, is I, I'm really enjoying it. You know, it's going to be an emotional night in Greensboro seeing Sting in his last match, whether or not it is his last match. Is he going to do a Ric Flair? I don't know. They are billing it as such. I think it will be. You know, I've been a Sting fan since the early 80s and, and watching it on WCW and the NWA and TNA and WWE. Uh, maybe not WWE. All Elite. I think he's doing some great work. And, you know, it's going to be a shame to see him go. But where they're going to do now between the next couple of weeks, I am really looking forward to it. And we know the go-home shows are being taped pretty much in one night in Huntsville in Alabama. So it's going to be interesting. So let's keep watching, guys. But let me know what you think. Uh, one person who won't be on our screens anytime soon is WWE's Matt Camp. Uh, the longtime host of The Bump and other roles in the company was reportedly let go last week. Now, the news has come as a surprise to many within the WWE because there was no explanation given for his release. The company has also not made any internal statements regarding the matter. Now, Camp joined in 2019. Um, but wasn't referenced on last week's episode of The Bump. Camp also worked on various shows on the network, including Raw Talk and SmackDown Lowdown, and most recently appeared on NXT Vengeance Day's kickoff. So Matt Camp, I like the guy. I thought he was pretty good. Does make you wonder if something has happened backstage, uh, you know, from a, putting my HRE hat on from a, a gross misconduct perspective, but who knows? Matt Camp gone from WWE. Where will he end up? Do you think he will end up staying in professional wrestling could he go to tna could he go to all elite again let me know one person who also still might be leaving and i hope he doesn't is drew mcintyre pw insider reports the scottish warrior has yet to officially resign with wwe as the contract nears its end the wwe is advertising mcintyre for events in italy this summer which does take place after his deal ends so the belief is that he will be returning. However, could things could always break down. Now, the report does note that both McIntyre and the WWE want to strike a deal. But separate reports have stated that if he did leave, he would receive a mega offer from All Elite Wrestling, which does make you wonder, is that the right move? Because, you know, Tony Khan's got the money. He can bring them in. TKO have got the money they can keep them. Where would you go? I think McIntyre at the moment, and I said this last week on the show, McIntyre is really stepping up the game. The The social media posts, the heel turn, I think has been gold for him. It's really done him good. Um, I hope he does stay. And I do hope we get Rollins versus McIntyre at WrestleMania um, because I think it would be a cracking match. But let's find out. Who knows? Do you think he will sign or do you think he will go to All Elite? <laughs> PW Insider is reporting that despite winning the NXT Tag Team titles this week, Bron Breaker is still slotted for a main roster call-up and he will be at this Friday's episode of SmackDown in Utah. The WWE is currently running a storyline where Adam Pearce and Nick Aldis are trying to convince Breaker to sign with their respective brands. Breaker and Corbin won the NXT Tag Team titles on this past Tuesday's edition of NXT 
a match they earned after winning the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Uh, he also had a great showing, as we know, in the Royal Rumble. And I, I saw a meme uh, the other day where someone is uh, Sam, the the co-host of the show, um, sent me the meme where it was saying Breaker should be repackaged as Braun Steiner. I kind of agree, you know, playing, he's wearing the same color tights. Uh, you know, he's always worn the same sort of tights as what Rick and Scott used to wear in the WWF. Repackage him, bring the dog face gremlin out with him, bring Big Papa Pump out, you know, play off this family relationship on the main roster. It could go really well. Um, but where do you want to see him go? Because I've been, you know, quite adamant that I want to see him up on the main roster now. Well, what else can he do in NXT? But I am enjoying this tag team run that he's having with Baron Corbin because of Corbin is actually looking relevant for the first time in many a year. So, you know, it's a bit of a mixed, mixed bag on it because I could see him on Raw. I could see him on SmackDown. I could see him staying in NXT. One person who is also high on him is the legendary Hall of Famer, the dead man, The Undertaker. He spoke on his edition of the Six Feet Under podcast about a number of different topics, including Bron Breaker. He went, he's got it. Not only the physical attributes, but he has it. He's a personality and the it factor is important. It's cool they can take that much time that shows how strong the roster within NXT really is. They've let him develop and develop and develop and now he's ready and he will move into a good spot i'm sure one person who also is looking for a good spot at wrestlemania is la knight yeah and he is hoping that usher will sing him to the ring the wwe superstar appeared on an edition of the bump to discuss the ongoing wrestlemania 40 season and his involvement in next weekend's elimination chamber now when co-host megan morant brought up usher's performance at the super bowl this past weekend la knight yeah put a performance put a scenario together not a performance where the music legend would perform his hit track yeah for his wrestlemania 40 entrance uh yeah is so over with the WWE audience and and with me. Uh, I'd love that. And I think Usher did a cracking job uh, at the Super Bowl in the halftime show. Uh, it was brilliant. Yeah. One superstar who is back within All Elite is QT Marshall. Uh, him and AEW have worked out their previous issues and he will be coming back in the previous VP role that he held backstage. It's noted he will not, however, be returning as an in-ring talent. He is free to wrestle for companies outside of All Elite, except for the WWE. Marshall is not quite back yet. He did agree to a deal with AEW a couple of weeks ago, uh, and he departed towards the end of 2023. Now, at the beginning of the show, I read out a poem courtesy of one tony khan on twitter and he has taken to twitter to comment on fans opinion of his twitter use uh during an interview he said the following and when asked about the criticism we've been able to promote the show and build engagement also the company has a great presence we have a great connection with the fans we've been able to build real engagement there is tangible proof of that and our huge TV ratings and the fact that three of the last four weeks of Dynamite have beat the NBA on ESPN. We've had great success connecting. I think that's what that's what have worked really well. So didn't answer the question at all. Uh, what do you think? Tony Khan. I mean, 
whether or not you love Tony Khan or whether or not you hate him, right, for what he's doing with All Elite, with how he's booking the talent, with the shows that he's putting on, you cannot take away this guy is entertaining on Twitter. You know, roses are red, violets are blue. Dynamite's having a new set just for you, which is happening after the pay-per-view was another one of the tweets. He doesn't miss a trick. From a social media marketing perspective, it's genius because he gets people talking. Whether or not you agree with the tweets that he's putting out, whether or not it's a Donald Trump style, I'm just going to say what I want to say and, and screw the rest doesn't matter he has wrestling fans and people talking now admittedly that might not be always for the best right because people might look at him as a complete idiot i don't i think he's i think he's legitimately very clever in what he does and i'm never going to get tony khan on the show i know that and i'm not going to kiss his ass for no for no reason he is good he is great he is good at the at building the narrative, and he's relatively good at booking shows. But he does need more of a creative team. We know that. Shinsuke Nakamura shared his thoughts on Kazuki Okada leaving New Japan while speaking with Tokyo Sports uh, on February the first. He officially became a free agent, uh, and we've reported that him and Mercedes Monet are heading to All Elite Wrestling. Well, Nakamura, when asked about what it's like to wrap up, said. How do you view your life, who you are, and what you want to become? Only you can make that decision. So I had the courage to take the step that Okada took. It sounds like a Noki, but once you've taken that step, it's all you can do is move on. Of course, I'll support them. And if there's anything I can do, I'd like to do whatever I can. That's also true. And it's an invisible procedure. There were a lot of hardships that I had to bear that I shouldn't have had to bear. And I don't want them to experience that kind of thing. And I want them to be pampered. So basically what he's saying is, you know, I will do what I can for New Japan. And I respect you if you if you leave the company and will support you. Um, but I was also I also had problems. I was also held back. And I think that's pretty self-explanatory. I think that's pretty obvious. He did have problems when he first arrived in the US and first arrived in WWE. Um and I'm hoping that Okada doesn't get booked into a corner. I'm hoping that Okada, if he does go to AEW, uh, is pushed the right way and is used the right way and not just every now and then, which most of the roster is. Now, one person we know who won't be on TV for a while is Shotzi Blackheart because at Tuesday's NXT TV tapings for next week's show, they went forward with Shotzi challenging Lyra Valkyria for the NXT Women's Championship. However, she suffered a knee injury as Shotzi went for a DDT on the apron in her title match. The match was stopped and Shotzi was helped to the back. Fightful's Corey Brennan confirmed that Shotzi was not able to place weight on her injured knee. Once Shotzi arrived backstage, it was apparent that she was in a large amount of pain. Those backstage were said to be very concerned for Shotzi, and she was immediately taken to be checked out. The injury is not a work. It is serious. It was added there is no heat on Lyra Valkyria or Shotzi for what was described as a freak accident. So who is going to be replacing her this Friday on SmackDown in a qualifying match for the Chamber? Well, we're going to have to find out. But our thoughts go out to Shotzi, who has really been coming into her own recently on the main roster. Uh, now she's got the tank back. You know, Shotzi Blackheart was a great talent in NXT and she's only now beginning to find her tread on the WWE roster. And uh, for any injury for any superstar to happen is, is 
heartbreaking and i you know i wish her all the best and hope she gets well soon all right that's the news for this week we're going to go to a quick break when we come back it's viewpoint all about scott demore and tna we'll see you after this You got to stream the alternate commentary table every single Saturday. It's brought to you on the McGuire on Wrestling feed. I'm one half of your host, Demetri Corollas, and I'm here with my partner, Mitch Hondras. Mitch, what is the alternate commentary table? It's simple. It's the perspective of wrestling from the other side of the railing, the real fans. That's right. The perspective that you need. You might have a little bit of fun, too. The alternate commentary table. Subscribe free now to the McGuire on Wrestling podcast feed wherever you get your podcast. Cheshire! Welcome back to TSC. This is Viewpoint. And this week, I think what I was going to talk about was the shocking news concerning Scott Demore. Now, for those of you who don't know, Scott Demore acted as the TNA president for a number of years and was heavily involved with the company, dealing with talent, creating storylines and working for Anthem. This past week, however, it was reported that Scott Demore was terminated from TNA Wrestling and a new president was placed in now talent have been shocked there's a lot of upset backstage and there have been a lot of rumors flying around one of those rumors was that demore tried to get more budget from anthem to increase production values to increase talent budgets to bring new superstars in and the other rumor was that he attempted to buy tna wrestling but obviously that that uh, was dismissed now Excuse me. I'm I was really shocked when I heard this news because of the fact that I can't when you first associate TNA and I remember TNA back in 2002 when it first started with Jarrett's. When you think of TNA, a longtime fan will think Jeff Jarrett. The founder, right? The king of the mountain. But there was always this name just underneath Scott Demore. Whether or not he was the manager of Team Canada, whether or not he was a backstage agent, Demore was always there. He was always a part of creative. He was always involved in the company. He was one of those pillars, one of those founding blocks. He survived the Dixie Carter era. He survived the Hogan Bischoff era. He survived Panda. He survived the initial takeover from Anthem. And then he became president. And he's put some cracking matches out. I mean, TNA is known for those five-star matches with talent that you wouldn't necessarily know, right? They've made household names like Giselle Shaw, just to name one, Josh Alexander. They've taken veterans like Chris Sabin and Alex Shelley, reinvented them, turned them into certifiable main eventers. I mean, when do you ever think in your mind, Alex Shelley would ever become the world heavyweight champion for an organization? I never did. I never considered Shelley to be up there. Demore did, and he gave him the opportunity. And we had some cracking matches. Moose. Um, yeah, I need Mike to tell you the story about me and Moose. Moose, you know, has come out of nowhere, and he's developed himself. Eddie Edwards has repackaged himself. I mentioned Josh Alexander. We've had Mickey James, Deanna Perazzo, the Virtuosa, Taylor Steele. All of these talents that have worked their backsides off 
each and every week for maybe two, three hundred fans in attendance at the Impact Zone have been rejuvenated, have wanted to come back. Eric Young wanted to go back to TNA, but they wanted to go back for Scott Demore. And now Demore is not there. So what does that mean for TNA? Any impact, pardon the pun, that they may have had coming into January, you've got to think any momentum has to have gone. Now, we could say that because of the talent relations. For a fan perspective, do we think it's actually going to make a difference? And what I mean by that is unless you're an insider, unless you're a a smart mark or a journalist or whatever, um, we know how the the business works. And and we know because of, of guys like Jarrett and Thompson, and those podcasts and Bischoff and Jim Ross and Dave and, and everything else who are giving us the information from backstage and hearing it from the horses' mouths themselves. We know how the business works. But for the general wrestling fan, do you think they're going to notice any difference? I can't see them changing the, the look of TNA. They've only just established it. They might change some of the performers. But I don't think an average wrestling fan is going to notice the impact will come as to whether or not the longtime fans will stick with the product. Now it's not a controversy what TNA are going through. It's not a controversy like WWE have faced in the past with the steroid allegations or even all elite have faced with the all in incident, the all out incident between punk and the EVPs. There's not been negative news coming out. There's just been the shock of Demore going. Now, Demore hasn't commented. TNA haven't really commented. But superstars are pledging their support. And I do think the timing is really surprising, considering Jordan Grace being at the Rumble in January and the challenge that was leveled out by Grace for TNA TV. So I'm, I'm not sure in a long way, what this means for TNA wrestling. I'm not sure what it means for Scott Demore. I hope that another company, whether or not that is WWE, whether or not that is AEW, pick him up. Because the guy is a creative genius. He knows more about this business than most. And you take him into any company, he would be a fountain of information. He would be a golden nugget. You know, we've talked about Tony Khan earlier on in respect of building stories and building creative. You bring Demore in, you give him the book and you let him go, right? Even WWE, Triple H is doing a great job as CCO. Bring Demore in as head of the creative team, reporting into Hunter. Two great minds. You could really make an impact. Why am I keep saying impact? That's like the third time in this session. So I think for Scott Demore, the future is bright. I don't think, you know, I don't think this will hurt him in the long run in terms of the career of where he wants to go. But I think a company needs to give him an opportunity. They need to give him a chance because he is gold. And I keep saying that the guy is legit. He knows what he's doing. And, oh man, it was just, yeah, I couldn't believe it. When I heard that news that Scott Demore had been fired, it was like, what? But what do you guys think? What do you think on social media? I really want to hear what it is 
you think of this whole situation? Do you think they did the right thing in firing Scott? Do you think TNA will be in a good position going forward? Let me know. Hit me up. Social media. Uh, TSE Wrestling Pod or Team MOW. Uh, and let us know in the comments what you think. And we'll use them on the show. There we go. All right, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, it's wrestling history this week, covering the 11th to the 17th. And there are some crackers in this week. We'll see you after this. Take care. Welcome back to TSC. It's my favorite segment. It's my favorite time. It's this week in wrestling history where we look back at some of the biggest moments that have taken place in the week that was. And we're opening the vault. This time, looking at the dates from the 11th, the 17th of February. And we're kicking it off on February the 11th of 1996. An action-packed WCW Super Brawl took place at the Bayfront Center in, in St. Petersburg, Florida. Now, I know... Mike touched on this in uh, Maguire on Wrestling this past Sunday. So I'm going to give you a highlight. Go check out Mike's show to hear more about why Super Brawl was so impactful. Um, but the most memorable moment on the show was an I Respect You strap match between Kevin Sullivan and Brian Pillman. After just 59 seconds, Pillman grabbed the mic and said, I respect you, Booker Man, giving Sullivan the win the utterance was a reference to sullivan's position as head booker at the time and was supposed to be part of pillman's loose cannon gimmick and angle that was inside to only eric bischoff not long after he was given his very real release in an effort to make the storyline look even more legit he then used the real release jump ship to wwe never to return to world championship wrestling uh, also on the card, the Nature Boy Ric Flair defeated the Macho Man Randy Savage Ooh, yeah. to win the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. And in the main event, because the WCW World Title wasn't considered to be the main event, the Immortal Hulk Hogan defeated the Giant in a steel cage match. But why your World Heavyweight Championship between two legends was not the main event, I will never know. WCW booking. February the 12th, 2012, history was made at New Japan's New Beginning event in Osaka, Japan. It was the main event. It was the man who everybody is talking about. Kazuchika Okada defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi to win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. This would be Okada's first title win in what would arguably become the most legendary stint as a title holder and contender in the history of New Japan. With the win, he became the second youngest champion of all time and ended Tanahashi's reign of 404 days. At the time, this would be the second longest reign in history, Okada's own history, making fourth reign of 720 days would be put down into third place. <laughs> February the 13th, 1997, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, forfeited the WWE Championship and cut the infamous Lost My Smile promo on Thursday Raw Thursday from Massachusetts. The original creative was for Michaels to retain the title on the show against Sid in a rematch from the Royal Rumble, which would set up at a rematch between Michaels and the hitman Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13. Hart was already booked in to win the Final Four Elimination pay-per-view match three days later. On this special edition of Raw, Rocky won his first championship at the promotion, defeating Triple H for the Intercontinental Championship. 
February the 14th, 1999, was St. Valentine's Day Massacre uh, in your house from the Pyramid in Memphis, Tennessee. It saw the debut of the big show, Paul White, otherwise known as the Giant, who interfered in the steel cage match between Steve Austin and Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Austin's WrestleMania 15 WWF title opportunity was up for grabs, and he would win the match when the Big Show would inadvertently throw him into the gimmick side of the cage. Also on the card, Val Venus defeated Kem Shamrock for the Intercontinental Championship, and Bob Holly won the hardcore title from Al Snow. The Rock and Mankind fought to a no contest for the WWF title in a last man standing match. February the 15th, 2004, instrumental for No Way Out. And there was no way out for Brock Lesnar as Eddie Guerrero defeated Lesnar in an upset victory for the WWE Championship. Uh, This took place at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. It made Guerrero a triple crown and Grand Slam champion. Also on the card, the nephew Chava Guerrero defeated Rey Mysterio for the Cruiserweight Championship. You know, I, I remember No Way Out like it was yesterday, watching it, covering it on the original TSC. Uh, what a monumentous moment seeing the workhorse, Eddie Guerrero, win the WWF Championship, lying, cheating, and stealing his way to a victory. Uh, of course, Eddie ultimately would pass away not long after, uh, a few years after that. But to see him hold the championship and going into WrestleMania 20, as WWE champion was, yeah, a moment. Now, earlier on, we talked about Shawn Michaels' infamous Lost My Smile promo. Well, three days later have now happened. February the 16th, 1997 was In Your House Final Four, where the hitman Bret Hart won his fourth world title. Now, In Your House took place from Chattanooga in Tennessee, and the main event featured the last four in-ring competitors. So, from the Rumble, that was Steve Austin. Um... The Undertaker, Brett the Hitman Hart, and Sid. Now, if you remember back to the Royal Rumble of 1997, Austin won it after being eliminated over the top rope and getting back into the ring. There we go. The original prize for this match was a world title match at WrestleMania 13, which, as we've talked about, was meant to have been Michaels defending against the Hitman Brett Hart. However, that did not happen. The event also marked the debut of China, who posed as a kayfabe fan who attacked Marlena at ringside for the six-man tag match involving Gold Dust. Also on the card, Rocky Maivia retained his newly won Intercontinental Championship against Hunter Hurst Helmsley. And our last date for wrestling history is February the 17th, 2002. Again, at No Way Out, this time in Milwaukee. And it marked the return of Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash to the WWF after being away for nine years for Hogan and six years for Hall and Nash. The trio came in to collectively inject some poison into the company as the New World Order. Jim Ross acknowledged on commentary that they built the old WCW but did more to destroy that entity and that brand. Hogan, Nash and Hall interfered in the main event, undisputed championship match that saw Jericho retain over Austin. The Rock also defeated The Undertaker in a grudge match with outside interference from the kayfabe co-owner of the WWF, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Triple H lost the undisputed title shot at WrestleMania. 
to Kurt Angle. Great. I mean, some great memories, some great moments, and we will be looking back at these in pay-per-view recalls over the next few months. Uh, speaking of which, I want to know what you would like us to look at in long form, whether or not it's a superstar or a pay-per-view or an event. Let me know in the comments. We are, of course, doing the Royal Rumble, uh, the UK Rampage, sorry, later on in the show. All right, we're going to go to our last break of the evening. When we come back, it's top five, and then it's Retro Chat. We'll see you after this. Welcome back to TSC, and this it's time for Top 5, where we look back at my top five things from this past week in professional wrestling that's aired on TV. Starts in five all the way up to number one, which is my number one pick. I made that sound a lot more complicated than what it actually needed to be. It's a countdown from five to one, basically. Uh, Number five goes back to last night on Dynamite, and it was the match between John Moxley and Dax Harwood. I mean, this was what a way to kick off a show Two no nonsense beat it leave it in the ring athletes going at it right you then had cash wheeler getting involved you had castagnoli jumping in as well i love these two guys i mean you couldn't ask for anything better from moxley and 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 uh, harwood and i want to see where they go next Number four, it's we've spoken about it already. It's Bron Breaker and Baron Corbin winning the NXT Tag Team titles from NXT this past week. Um, excuse me. I I was never a fan of Baron Corbin. I'm still not. But I'll tell you what, I've been impressed with him in Tag Team Action with Breaker. And I think now they've won the NXT Tag Team titles, it's making this whole storyline with, with Breaker and where he's going to go on the main roster even more interesting. So that was my number four. Number three is from Monday Night Raw and it's the New Day and Jey Uso facing off against Imperium. I think it's fair to say we're going to be getting the New Day versus um, Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Bianchi uh, at WrestleMania and I think we're going to be getting Jey Uso versus Gunter for the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania as well and I've got no problems with that. Loving the feud. I think Jey Uso needs a win. So imagine he will be taking the IC Championship off of Gunther at Mania. Can't wait. Number two in the list, Will Ospreay saying goodbye to New Japan. Uh, The match was absolutely epic um, and brutal. In fact, in some ways, it was a little bit too brutal, but it was great. Check it out. Uh, If you go to Team MOW, you can actually read people's thoughts and feedback on that match. Just find the thread. And my number one because it's been nearly a week and I can't believe we haven't spoken about it yet was the WrestleMania XL kickoff uh, The Rock Roman Reigns Cody and Seth Rollins Gio I loved everything about this The Rock going heel that video of the bloodline uh, tree with Dwayne Johnson the high chief when did that happen uh, seeing the just seeing the lineage seeing how everybody comes into play seeing names like Jimmy the Superfly Snooker like Tamina Snooker like Yokozuna like Umaga and you know you, you kind of forget really you take it for granted how big the Samoan dynasty is but yeah tremendous uh, it was a brilliant segment um, The Rock going fully fledged heel with the Cody Crybabies Cody Rhodes coming out that passionate promo that he did the slap heard around the world Seth Rollins getting involved the aftermath with The Rock and Triple H there's rumours now that what well, people are saying a conspiracy theorists that The Rock is going to get Triple H fired because he's now on the DKO board and whatever Wrestlemania I am pumped for Wrestlemania I haven't been this pumped for a WWE storyline 
leading into Mania for a long, long time. And I can't wait for Elimination Chamber. I'm going to watch, I'm actually going to watch the pay per view. Cannot wait for it. Uh, and then WrestleMania as well. So that's my top five. What about yours? Let me know. What is your top five from five to one of this week in wrestling history? We will put a post up next Monday on Team MOW uh, and let me know what you think and we'll get some on the show. Right, last bit of the show. Now it's Retro Chat where we're going to take a look back in time at an event. Now this event was exclusively in the UK. It took place at the London Arena in London, England with 14,300 people in attendance. Now you would call it the WrestleMania Rebound Tour. All right. Um, But it was the UK Rampage and it aired exclusively on Sky Movies Plus. Now, one of the things that you should know about this event was not a lot of people saw it. Sky was still relatively new in UK homes. And to have it, you had to pay a subscription. You had like a little box with a decoder. And if you took, the, if you didn't have the channel, it would be scrambled and you would hear the audio. And I didn't have Sky at the time. So I actually had to watch this scrambled. And I could just hear it. It was like Radio WWF. It was really weird. Um, but when I did get to see it, it instantly became one of my favorite events. Not, I don't know why it did. I mean, it's one that I've been looking to get for years. And I've always been annoyed at the, the network for not putting it on. They, they've put the Rampage 92. They've put the 93 Rampage on. But they never put this one up. Uh, so I'm kind of hoping when it moves to Netflix, we're going to get the uh, the 91 Rampage. But don't hold your breath. Uh it was made up of a number of different matches. So we had Jim Neidhart defeating the Warlord. Now this was fresh off WrestleMania. So the split between the Hart Foundation was just beginning to occur. Of course, Brett would go on to have massive single success. The Warlord with this new Greek God gimmick that he was doing from, from 1990, full in effect. Um, Ted DiBiase with Sensational Sherry defeated the Texas Tornado, Tornado Kerry Von Erich via countout. Um, that was 40 minutes and five seconds. Of course, Sherry partnering up with Ted DiBiase straight after WrestleMania with Macho Man was made to leave. Uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine defeated Haku. This was the shortest match on the card. Eight minutes, 41. Now, it's worth mentioning that most of the other matches didn't go under 10 minutes. This was the shortest one. The Rockers were in tag team action as Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty defeated the Orient Express with Kato and Tanaka with Mr. Fuji. Uh, guest appearance by the eighth wonder of the world, the legendary Andre the Giant. Jimmy the Superfly Snooker defeated the Barbarian. The British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, defeated the Berserker, accompanied by Mr. Fuji. Earthquake went over Jake the Snake Roberts and the immortal Hulk Hogan defended and retained the WWF championship, defeating Sergeant Slaughter with General Adnan in his corner. Of course, the big rematch from WrestleMania, the UK part of the allied forces that were part of uh, Operation Desert Storm in Iraq in 1991. You know, this event was released on VHS and you can buy it on eBay for anything from 999 to i think i've seen it on there for 99 pounds 99 pence which i will do a quick conversion into uh canadian dollars in just a second but i've always wondered why it was so expensive it's because it's such a sought after event it's because it's just not seen anymore right it's it's not available 
anywhere. So put it into context, 9.99 is in Canadian dollars $16.97. Uh the most expensive I've ever seen it is 99.99 and that was $169.86 as of today's conversion. I mean massive money, right? To get a WWF event silver vision who used to be the distributor here in the uk released a series of what they call tag classics on dvd which was two events on two separate dvds combined and they did one called battle royal at the albert hall which is on the network and the uk rampage and that is going for upwards of 50 pounds it's incredible the the fan history for these uk events because they were so different i mean we were starved of wrestling content back in those days right the way up really until you know um the early 2000s we were starved of wrestling content the american and and canadian and worldwide audiences in north america had it week in and week out yes we could see it but they didn't come over that often so when they did it was a massive appeal they were all over mainstream pop culture tv uh it was just incredible and um yeah that's the uk rampage all right that's it for this week a bit of a short show uh had some technical issues as i told you at the beginning that's still coming into play today so a bit of a shorter show be back next week with more elimination chamber preview more on AEW, more on wwe until then stay tuned we will see you soon and i'll see you at the matches take care bye-bye